0: Welcome to Checking In, the podcast that looks at the people, the issues, and the trends shaping the dynamic and exciting hotel business. We sit down with leaders, hoteliers, and industry experts as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping hoteliers better understand and affect positive change to grow their businesses. Now, here is your host, editor, and publisher of Hotelier Magazine, Rosanna Kaira.
1: Good morning. My name is Rosanna Kyra and I'm the editor and publisher of Food Service and Hospitality Magazine and Hotelier Magazine and today it's my absolute pleasure to welcome you to our Top 30 Under 30 Roundtable. Today we're celebrating last year's winners of our Top 30 Under 30 Awards Program. Back in 2019, Caustic Media became the proud owner and producer of the Top 30 Under 30 Program when sadly, Charles Greco, chair of the Ontario Hostelry Institute, which had produced this program for many, many years, passed away. Following that ownership transition, in late 2019, Caustic Media invited participation from the industry to nominate deserving young professionals. And then a few months later, in 2020, we met as a group to adjudicate the nominations. Of course, a few weeks later, after that process, when we were really set to announce our winners for the year, the COVID-19 pandemic hit. I guess, as they say, timing is everything. Unfortunately, we had to postpone our top 30 awards presentation and delay the story in our magazine till later last summer. But because we didn't have the chance to meet as a group and host what would have been a reception for all of the winners with with friends and family present to celebrate the achievement, we decided to do the next best thing, and that's host this event today virtually. Like everybody else, we've pivoted to the virtual, and today we are meeting via Zoom. And while we can't actually present your awards and certificates and, and lapel pins to you personally today, we will be sending out them out to you over the next few weeks. So please keep an eye out for those. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Bruce McAdams, Associate Professor at the University of Guelph and the person responsible for creating this amazing program. He's also an important member of our nominating and adjudication committee and a very good friend. So welcome, Bruce, over to you.
2: Thanks, Rosanna. And it's great to see everyone. It is a shame it's it's not in person as we usually have a, a great reception, but this is the next best thing and, and it's wonderful to, to see everyone uh, joining us today. Um, I'd like to just tell you how the Top 30 uh, got started. Um, and it takes me back, goodness, to about 2004 uh, when I was working for a company uh, called Oliver Bonaccini, and uh, every year we would go to an awards, uh, the the OHI, the Ontario Hostel Institute uh, Gold Awards Dinner, which was sort of the social event of the year for our industry in Ontario. And there were uh, uh, you know, numerous awards presented. And I'd been going to this event for about six or seven years. And every year I, I was a little... Um, taken aback by uh, the winners of these awards. Not that they weren't deserving, they were fantastic people in our industry, but they were pretty much, uh, the majority were older white males uh, over the age of 50. And and I really didn't feel that that reflected uh, our industry and the true nature of, of how diverse our industry is and how the people that get things done um, are are dynamic and and come from all areas of of the uh, and walks of life. So, I decided I think that night when I got home that I was going to try to do something um, about it. I ran the idea of a top thirty by a few people uh, and and got some positive feedback. And uh, Mr. Greco who. Rosanna mentioned earlier was the chair and president of the ohI and, and a regular diner at my restaurant I was uh, had been the GM of jump and and was working corporately at that time but um I called mr Greco and and said I had an idea for him and that I'd like to run by him and you know we knew each other a little bit and he said sure I'll come to canoe for lunch next week um, and we can talk about it so, uh, we had a lunch. I had uh, prepared a 20-page proposal for him, and I, I put it down, and um, I said, you know, Mr. Greco, this is my idea. Don't take any offense, but the reason I'm coming to you with this is is because I think we need more diversity, and we need to hi- highlight and showcase the young leaders in our industry, and uh, he said, be quiet, be quiet. What's your idea? And uh, I said, it would be good for you to have a top 30 under 30 and I'd be willing to. And he said, okay, stop. That's a good idea. <laughs> Let's do it. And uh, we'll start tomorrow. <laughs> and um, so uh, God bless Charles. He he uh, took it as a great opportunity for our industry as he was a champion and always working hard to uh, improve Uh, our industry and especially um, for young people in our industry. So the OHI uh, started the top 30 under 30 and and Charles and I co-chaired it until Charles's passing uh, in January of 2019. Um, Rosanna, uh, since, you know, the beginning was a committee member of ours on the selection committee. And uh, in the last few years before Charles's passing had done an amazing Um, job for us in in highlighting the winners in her publications which which just elevated the um, sort of the status of the award so uh, Roseanne had always been an integral part of um, the top 30 and when Charles passed and the OHI folded uh, it was uh, an obvious home for um, for us to move um, the uh, the project over to Caustic Media and uh, in Rosanna's hands, and and we've been able to take it nationally uh, because of that this last year. And so, Rosanna and I were, were reflecting on on how this project started last last week when we were talking, and and it really is amazing that um, in in the times we're facing now, with a lot of social uh, issues and equity issues, that um, this project has been going on for so long and uh, in Rosanna's hands will, I think, continue to reflect the great diversity. And and just lastly, Rosanna, um, you know, Charles and I, the first year or two, talked about should we have quotas or some sort of um, mandate to make sure we're representing the industry and the diversity. And we said, you know what, let's just wait and see and see who shows up, who wins and and every year, you know, it's been equal representation for male and female almost every year. It is very, people of color have been represented since the beginning in a high, uh, uh, you know, uh, proportion. So um, I think it's very reflective of, of our industry and and in very good hands and congratulations to you all.
1: Well, thank you so much for your words, Bruce. Um, Bruce has been such an instrumental and integral part of this program. So kudos to you for for having the foresight to uh, to develop this many, many years ago. I did wanna make one um, addition to what Bruce said and that's that last year um, when we took it over before COVID happened, we also expanded the program to national representation. So people from across the country could also be part of this now. Uh, which wasn't the case in the past. So I just wanted to add that. So so thank you, Bruce, and uh, let's get started. I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, to having a discussion with all of you. So I thought we could start off today um, by just having every top 30, under 30 winner that's with us today, just introduce themselves quickly and say a little bit about what they're doing. And also tell us a little bit about what made you want to get into the hospitality industry. So, why don't we start um, at the top of the Hollywood Squares with uh, Megan Vanderbars?
3: Yes, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Rosanna and Bruce. My name is Megan Vanderbars, and I'm currently the Media, Marketing, and Partnerships Manager for Fairmont Royal York in Toronto. I originally got into hotels because I really grew up in them. Uh, my dad worked in the industry for almost Four decades, so seeing his career take him around the world and to so many different places he got to travel and the projects and just so much excitement. So when it came time for university, it was kind of an obvious choice for me of why I wouldn't want to join in on that kind of life.
1: Wonderful. So your dad had some influence on you.
3: Oh, definitely.
1: Great. Jane, how about from your perspective? um, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
4: Absolutely. Good morning, everybody. My name is Jane. I'm the general manager of Canoe Restaurant, part of Oliver Bonacini Hospitality. Um, and I got my start in hospitality uh, because of a genuine hobby slash interest. Um, I loved cooking and cooked all all my childhood. My family has a very big agricultural background back in South Korea, and uh, I wanted to learn how to cook for real. So you know, one step led to another, and then I found that uh, service. And the systems of hospitality are extremely uh, interesting. Um, and now to be able to be a part of a larger uh, group, family, and industry that shares that with guests day in and day out—maybe not right this instant uh, during the pandemic—but um, uh, it's it's been a lovely journey.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And Adam, how about from your end?
5: Well, uh, so first introduce myself. Uh, My name is Adam Hake. I'm the director of asset management at Invest Hotels. And I started my career actually just paying my way through college. And I was working in a kitchen. I was paying my way through college university, working in the kitchen. Uh, I was doing everything, doing stewarding, doing cooking. And when I graduated, it seemed to be a natural progression. I grew a passion quickly for the industry. And from there, that was my job search, just to find a job at in, I graduated with my business degree and find a job at a corporate office in the hospitality industry, and that's where it started. Wonderful.
1: And Pallavi, how about uh, from your end? What uh, Tell us a little bit about what you're doing today and how you got into it. Uh, thank you, Rosanna. Uh, first of all, I would like to thank you. I'm very excited to be here this morning.
6: I've had nightmares and dreams about this day. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say nightmares? <laughs> I did. We're living through the nightmare. Let's leave that one out. (laughs) I did apply in 2019 and I didn't go through. So (laughs) Ah. I wanted to do it before I would turn 30. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Great.
6: But, well, there were a few things that inspired me to be in this industry. One was very similar to what Megan said. My dad had a major influence, although he's not from the industry, but he works in service industry. He is a doctor. He works in a hospital. But if you look at these are very interchangeable qualities, like he also takes care of people and um is uh, working with people all the time, that had a major influence and uh, my love for food and beverages in general,
1: like I, that was my passion and I just chased it and here I am. Excellent, well well, welcome, we love having you. Duncan, how about uh, from your perspective, what made you get into hospitality and what are you doing today?
7: Good morning, everyone. Um, Duncan Chu, Director of Development for Marriott Hotels in, in Western Canada. Um, truthfully, I can't, I can't say it's something that I I knew I wanted to do. Um, you know, I was trying to find my way and navigate, you know, after high school is a pretty confusing time, but, um, you know, I I enrolled in the university of Guelph's uh, hospitality program, um, and just started working in the industry. You know, we have great people. It's great fun. A lot of different things you can do in the industry. Uh, I'm always amazed by the passion, uh, the talent in the industry. It's really one where you can actually find people that like what they do, which is, which is rare. So it's fueled by passion, um, you know. I think that's what makes it special. Uh, drives people to do their best, um, and so it's an industry that's easy to fall into, uh, and like, but it's also hard to get out, uh, which is a positive. So
1: wonderful. And uh, Ryan, how about from your perspective?
8: Thanks Rosanna. Thanks, Bruce. Just happy to be here. Um, I'm Ryan Zanet. I'm from uh, Nicholas Pierce Wines, Inc. in Toronto. I, uh, I'm currently the business manager um, at that wine agency. Um, my, my role kind of transitioned from I finished the winemaking program at Niagara College and spent a, a, almost a year overseas making wine in the Mosul in England and kind of came back and uh, landed a job at VQA Wines of Ontario where I was helping um, Magdalena Kaiser and kind of um, rolling out VQA wines across uh, Canada. Um, and then what really um, hooked me and everything was like like D- Duncan said, the passion of people in this industry. Um, what really gets me out of the bed in the morning is the adrenaline rush of you know clients and industry leaders, um, everybody counting on you to to get their wines, um, and the ability to help provide an amazing service day in day out. So very exciting.
1: I think you touched on a very important word there, and that's passion. I, I hear yeah. that everywhere from from each of you in one way or another. Nick, mm-hmm. how about from your perspective? Um, what are you doing today, and how did you get into the industry?
9: Hi, uh, first of all, thank you, Rosanna, thanks, Bruce. Uh, well, my name is Nick. I'm currently the sous chef at Constantine Restaurant in Toronto. Uh, you know, I basically graduated from high school and then get into a college. I don't like the program, Job it off, straight up into the kitchen, like since 18, and then until now. And then uh, been working, first started at China for the last uh, six years, like my first, <clears throat> my first six years of my career. Mm-hmm was in China, and then, you know, worked the way up for, my, uh, for, my, for myself in the restaurant from a trainee to a sous chef. And then I got a great opportunity that able to come to Canada uh, in the George Brown College. And then I start all over again, go back to school, become a student. Uh, you know, in there, I met a couple of very important people. Uh, you know, Chef John Hagens, Chef Trevor Ritchie. That brought, me in, that brought me into like industry in Toronto, especially, and also like brought me into Uh, you know, the competition that I've been working for the last couple of years, Bocrystal, I was a team member, Uh, you know, that that totally changed my, uh, you know, uh, my view of this industry. Um, Bad, like too bad that, you know, the the COVID happens and then everything gets hit and, uh, you know, some, some of the program gets stopped it. And so now I'm just like, you know, stay in the restaurant, head down and work hard. That's for me basically every day.
1: Right. Yes kind of upended everybody's plans for sure. Tom, how about your, um, your history? Tell us a little bit about yourself and where you're at.
10: Rosanna. Um, I'm Vice President of Evaluation and Advisory Services at HBS for Western Canada. Um, I entered the industry, I I don't know if anyone's keeping track, but chalk me up to Lost Souls column. Um, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do, but I knew that there is many options within the industry that I figured I'd figured out I'd know when I got there did I know from point A to point B I was going to end up here
11: no idea
1: well that makes it a lot more exciting right
10: yeah exactly it's an industry with a home for everyone
12: excellent so Amanda how about uh, how about you morning everyone my name is Amanda Lemos I'm the assistant director of human resources at the Sheridan Centre Toronto um i think i'm very similar to tom i didn't know what i was getting into um growing up my dad actually worked in engineering as a general maintenance um, associate at radisson sass hotels in the middle east and i kind of like that environment um, as i grew up i started watching a lot of food network and food channels like yan Can cook and um, just everything on the food network and i just wanted to be involved in food Um, when you're 17, you don't really know. (laughs) I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I had a few business courses and I put two and two together and ended up at Ryerson uh, for their hospitality program. And I think in my second year at what really got me stuck in this industry, which is very hard to leave, Duncan, I agree, um, is that I really love the people of it, um, the guests for at first, and then it became the associates. and that's really what connected me to each of the hotels that I was at. And that's got me here, I think almost 10 years later, still with Marriott, still with the thing people still connect. It's fabulous. Thank you for
1: sharing. Tina, how about from
13: uh, from your perspective? Uh, where are you at today and uh, how did you get here? Good morning, um, I'm Tina Tang. I am currently the pastry chef at Summerhill Winery in beautiful Kelowna, BC. Um, I think that uh, the industry that got me started was the creative outlet. Um, I started when I was 16 um, and it had this energy and this passion that I've been chasing ever since. Wonderful, Erin? How about, uh, how about you?
14: Hi there, Uh, I'm Erin Relanti. I'm the assistant winemaker at Rosewood Estates in Beamsville. My story kind of follows along with everyone else. (laughs) Um, I was quite young when I graduated high school and I thought I loved sports and I loved science. So I went into the kinesiology route at Brock University, but it wasn't until I needed to take an elective and I thought, Hey, what's this general wine class? And, uh, I last did a semester in kinesiology and completely switched over to the winemaking program. Uh, it started off with definitely the farming passion side, and then combining my science aspect, and then working in the cellar. There's just so many facets. It's beautiful. You can travel around the globe as well as you just meet so many like minded individuals it's a constant way to have your creative expression and that's really important to me. So
1: that's fabulous.
14: Yeah.
1: So just like passion brings a lot of people into the industry, I think also the desire to travel kind of plays into that equation as well. Sure. Isabel, how about, uh, how about you?
15: Hi, thank you for having me. My name is Isabel Harrington. I am the Director of Revenue for the Queen Elizabeth Hotel in Montreal. Um, So, Similar to a lot of you was originally interested and of course you're young, you wanna travel, meet a lot of people. um, And so was uh, lucky enough to uh, run a business program with focus on hospitality. And I think also what got me into it was the idea that running a business but you have control over really uh, all of a person's senses can really something interesting um, and have a creative aspect that's um, pretty prominent in, uh, in this business.
1: Wonderful. Emily, let's hear from you.
16: Hi, thanks, Rosanna, for having me. Um, yeah, I feel like I'm going to, you know, echo a lot of the comments of other people. Um, well, first off, at the moment, I am a graduate student at the University of Guelph. Um, I just started my master's um, what I'm researching, though, is sustainability in restaurants, and that's really um, what I'm passionate about, and kind of um, how I ended up doing uh, grad school was really through a combination of working in the industry and studying the industry for the past five years, and um, just really, um, yeah, having having this passion for kind of making things better and, and wanting to, um, you know, improve process efficiency, and anyway, so I've ended up in grad school, but I've, I've also had the pleasure of working for some really great brands in the last five years in restaurants and hotels both, and just falling in love with the industry.
1: Fabulous. Thank you. (laughs) Peter, how about
17: you? Thanks. Good morning, everyone. My name is Peter Keith. I am co-owner of Muleys, which is an Edmonton-based charcuterie business and uh, artisan retail market. So I was really drawn originally to the energy and excitement of a professional kitchen. So as soon as someone would hire me around 14, I got a job and I really fell in love with the idea of hospitality. The idea that people are putting their trust in you to deliver an amazing experience, whether it's just for a Friday night or for their anniversary or something special. And the idea that uh, in cooking, every single dish you put out is an opportunity to improve, to be better, to give the customer an even better experience. And that's really what has kept me here all these years later.
1: I love that philosophy of constantly getting better. That's so important. Uh, Jessica, how about from your perspective? Uh, Yes. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name
18: is Jessica Colvin. I am the manager of business development and member services at the Greater Kingston Chamber of Commerce. Um, The hospitality industry was always attractive to me. Uh, I grew up with the mentality that by choosing a job in hospitality, you're investing in a career that has endless possibilities. My parents told me that the skill set that you develop in these types of roles are globally recognized and easily adaptable um, to so many professions. Uh, There's such an enormous scope within the industry. Uh, You'd be hard pressed to get stuck in a niche and there's always room for growth. So to me, it was sensible, uh, but it was also desirable. A career in hospitality seemed exciting and vibrant and never changing.
1: Uh, So it was a win-win. Wonderful, thank you. Madison?
19: So uh, I'm the channel marketing manager for Andrew Peller Limited's Estate Wine Group East. So I do the tourism marketing for uh, our wine clubs, as well as Peller's Trees Winery, 30 Bench, and Wayne Gretzky Estates. Um, and in terms of getting into hospitality, it was definitely not what I had kind of set my sights on uh, growing up. Similar to Erin, I actually uh, went to Brock and took my undergrad in Kinesio um although I finished mine and and, uh don't use it today but it did lead me to event management at Niagara College and while I was there um all of my professors uh, pretty much all of them had their background in hospitality and food service industry and that their passion for the industry is really what opened my eyes to it and what made me excited and uh led me to to where I am today. so uh, again kind of uh, similar to what Tom said not not intentionally headed there but uh, i I ended up there and i'm I'm very happy that uh, that's
1: how I got here. Well, I think you have the perfect last name to be in the winery industry. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Raphael, how about from your perspective uh, what made you get into hospitality?
20: Awesome. Thanks so much for having me today. Um, my name is Rafael. I'm the executive chef at the Hexagon and Seven in Ateca in Oakville. Uh, today's our first day back, so we're uh, back Wonderful. in the restaurant after taking a month off. Um, I think what really got me into this industry was the ability um, to bring people together and uh, to create memories and create experiences, um, not only for for us as chefs, uh, trying to create those memories for guests, but also like trying to build community that is a, a big sense of, uh, of uh, or, or a part of, of what uh, what I really like about it. it um, also the chefs with the farmers or the chefs with the suppliers, is just like a full circle of it. And I thought that was like something really unique and really cool that you, you don't see everywhere. And um, aside from that also uh, the building and the the, the, um, the growing of, of your own team and, and the family you create here within the restaurant, I think is a really unique thing. And uh, yeah, that's probably what made me fall in love with it and what made me still uh, be here nowadays.
1: Well, I think you touched on an interesting word and that's community. And that's something that through the pandemic has really come out in a strong, strong way, how restaurants and food service, hospitality, is so central to our community. So, um, so thank you for sharing. Marvin, how about uh, from your end?
11: Hi, um, my name is Marvin Palomo. I'm chef de cuisine at 7 Anateca, and I'm very honored to be part of this panel. Uh, well, I was born in the Philippines. Uh, when my my parents moved and immigrated to here in Canada, we managed uh, uh, subway uh, restaurants. So, as a kid, I would always have to go there in my summertime. Um that was probably my first memory of sort of the hospitality and uh as I grew and sort of uh like the interest of the restaurants became something and sort of uh grew to something I wanted to do. Um so uh and that sort of became at a young age something I always wanted to do. And hopefully and thankfully I was able to be into the right decisions and uh able to travel different countries and uh, that helped me sort of grow my love and my, my passion for this industry.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you for being in hospitality. <laughs> and last but not least, Suraj, um, tell us a little bit about how you got into hospitality.
0: Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for having me, Rosanna. So I am the chief investment officer for the Easton's Group of Hotels. Uh, and similar to Amanda, it's just it's been in my blood. It's been uh, something my parents have been doing since well before I was born. So it's an industry I've been exposed to since I was uh, since I was a kid. And once I once I graduated from Columbia, I had worked in different jobs in banking and in finance. I kind of realized that my goal in life was to add as much value to the world as possible and to help as many people as possible. And I very quickly saw that I could do that from our family platform or from our family company. Um, And so I've been working very closely with my two parents, with my sister Ritu, uh, and it's been, it's just been, it's been amazing.
1: Wonderful. Well, you can hear the passion in your voice. So thank you so much. Um, Unfortunately, I wish we had the rest of the group because we only have 19 people today. We haven't heard all of their stories. But for those who want to know more about the others as well, our magazine from last year in July does profile each of the winners. So at this point, I'm going to pass it on to Bruce for, for some other questions from Bruce.
2: Great. Thanks, uh, Rosanna. That was uh, inspiring just to hear uh, our first question answered by everyone. Um, a lot of you mentioned your parents and uh, impact they had on your in your role in getting into hospitality, but I'm sure you've had mentors as well along the way. So maybe um, I could ask that you um, share with us who an important mentor has been and what was it that they did that sort of really helped you to uh, get to where you are. And I'll ask um, Tina, Megan, and Ryan this question. And maybe Tina, you can start us off.
13: Hello. Um, the question was, who was your most important mentor um, and what they did that stood out to you? Um, and for me, it was my friend um, and chef, um, Leslie Staff. Leslie and I've met um, over 10 years ago um, at like a Pro D-Day middle school kitchen uh, knife sharpening session. (laughs) She helped me get my first job and my second job when I moved from uh, Courtney to Kelowna. um, And it has been a huge part of my career ever since. And um, she, she, when I met her, um, she, what stood out to me was she wasn't intimidating. And I don't know if that is a compliment for many, um, but I think it is, and I hope she does too. <laughs> um, um, and for a young young female who was in, industry, um, in this industry, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, it was it has inspired me and motivated me to be um, like that and to be approachable to all the other young chefs I've met over the years. Um, And it's not something she did, but um, it's the person she is. um, And when she teaches me to be kind in an environment that is rough, um, to say please and thank you, those words are quite rare sometimes in the kitchen, um, but they do make a big difference. um, And I'm just very lucky to have her as a friend.
2: Wow, mentor, role model, friend, that's fantastic. And I'm sure you're going to uh, be doing that to other people that follow in your footsteps as well. Megan, what about you? Who's a mentor that, that you can tell us about?
3: Uh, so when I first was intro I did speak about my dad and just the huge impact that he's had on me. Um, he's currently in Florida. I'm here in Toronto. And mm-hmm. the passion that we both have for the hotel business has really just kept us closer than ever. We have hours and hours of phone conversations. He's kind of my behind-the-scenes career advisor, so again, I could not be more grateful for him, but outside of my family, uh, the Regional Director of HR for Fairmont Rail York, she's just been a huge constant for my career. She called me after I had graduated from Florida State. I was 22, I had never been to Canada, but I was very interested in Fairmont's management training program. So just getting that first phone call from her. She's helped me grow my career from front desk to housekeeping, to sales, to marketing, to PR. So I'm just so grateful that I've had her as well for this six and a half years almost
2: now. It's an amazing story. It's interesting how we find our mentors. Uh, yes. just sort of Enter our lives sometimes, you know, and and speaking to Mr. Charles Greco again became my mentor, a huge influence on on me. It sounds like you're very lucky to have yours. And Ryan, um, what about uh, a mentor for you?
8: For me, it's hard because there's so many and, uh, you know, it's hard to put a pinpoint, my parents obviously, um, were a huge integral part of, of growing up and wanting to help people and be in this industry. Um, a few others, um, you know, Will Predom, Nicholas Pierce, my current employer, and even Magdalena Kaiser, um, if anybody's familiar with her. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really an integral part of being successful in this business. Um, having mentors, having people direct you um, in the right direction to bounce all ideas off, off of um, and to help through challenging times. Um, so for me, it was more um, more of a, a group effort with everybody and everybody can specialize in their, in their own way for you. Um, but definitely those, um, those mentors have really pushed me along and have really directed me in some cool, cool areas of my life.
2: That's wonderful. It reminds me of uh, Michelle Kane, who's who's uh, a close friend of mine, the uh, chair of hospitality at Centennial. And she talks about instead of having one mentor, she has a, a board of directors and Michelle Kane board of directors where she has several people that she draws on at different times. Sounds like you had something similar there. Totally, totally. I'm all for that. Great. Thank you for all that. Rosanna, do you want to take it away on the next one?
1: Sure. Well, following up on that idea of, you know, Bruce asked you about mentors and, you know, it's not always just sometimes one person who's really influenced or shaped you, but a series of different people. Were there other influences or other people who influenced you along the way? And I thought maybe we could ask that of Adam and Amanda. So Adam, maybe um, did you did you want to touch on somebody else that influenced you? Maybe not specifically a mentor per se, but had some dramatic impact on you?
5: Yeah, of, of course. I mean, there's been a number of individuals throughout my career that have helped guide me to who I am today, each in their own different way. I mean, some have challenged me um, head on, some have challenged me in a more passive way. Um, but from the beginning, I mean, Paul Guardian took a chance on me right out of school and hired me at Delta. Um, from there, I met a lot of people within the industry, Ricardo Nicholas and David Byrd. Um, and then with the Marriott acquisition at Delta, I moved over to Carpedia and Jenna Greenspan and Sean Guy at Carpedia really, really influenced me there and gave me other other avenues to look at information and financials and ways to improve hotel um, operations. And then finally, I mean, Paul again circled around and um, he helped me get a job at Invest. And with Invest, where I've been for, uh, I think, three or four years now, working with Sarah Glenn and Jeff Hislop and Andrew Higgs have all been instrumental to me in each of their own ways.
1: Fabulous. How about you, Amanda? Anybody that uh, influenced you? Maybe not in
12: in a specific role as mentor, but uh, in other ways? Yes, of course. I, I don't think I would be here if there weren't so many people that had had an influence in my career. And I think for the most part, I think it started in school in first year where I just started a hospitality program, not really knowing what to specialize in, what to do my minor in, and first year, first semester, first class, when I finally got to the class, after two hours of looking for the class, um, I was in the late Howard Mudchnick's classroom where he taught service and professionalism. That class to me was instrumental and I'm really lucky actually that it was the first class that I ever attended at university. Um, Howard talked about the brands and what service was like um, and how each brand um, developed their service structure. And um, he talked about service recovery and there was so much focus on that side um, and and even talking about individual brands like Hyatt and Disney and of course Marriott and Ritz Carlton and of course I found myself at Marriott and Ritz Carlton immediately after graduating and even what while I was in school so I think that was huge and once I started with Marriott there've been so many people that have kind of pushed me and guided me to get into HR um, I really was playing it as I went um, and eventually saw what HR at my property was doing um, at the Mira Eaton Center. Got an internship at the Ritz-Carlton and met Lisa Mataria, who's currently the director of HR there. And she had a lot of trust in me. At the age of 22, I was an intern for her and she hired me on. Um, I think she gave me way more credit than I deserved at the time, but would just give me things to do. And I didn't want to say no because I felt this need to constantly prove myself. So I did it. Um I covered, I think, two and a half mat leaves. Everyone had left me at that point. So that that helped too. And then I got very lucky with Trina Goldsworthy at the airport Marriott, who same thing. I don't know what it is. <laughs> there was a lot of trust given to me. Um and I think I was just faking it till I made it <laughs> for <laughs> the most part. And um Trina just pushed me even when I thought I wasn't ready for a next position, Trina pushed me to the next step. And now I have Liana Carniello, who has been instrumental in my career and my growth Um, in just the last three years of knowing her, um, probably the best cheerleader, mentor, boss, influencer for my career. And I really owe all of this, even being here to her, Um, something that I obviously never imagined I would be. Um, But really, Liana has really put that content in. Me. And so it's all the sounds are- like you had a
1: lot of influential people along your path. So yes. wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And Bruce, I'm gonna throw that back to you now.
2: Yeah, thanks, Rosanna. I, I'm going to ask now that you've been in the industry um, for a while, um, all of you, we've had a chance to see your portfolios and you've accomplished a lot. What is what is one of the most interesting or surprising things about the industry that you've You've realized, and and perhaps Jane, uh, I can start with you, and then I'll ask uh, Duncan and Emily after.
4: It took me a while to unmute myself. Um, absolutely. Um, the first obvious thing is the industry, even though we all think it's massively large across the country, it's incredibly small. We all know each other, and we all depend on each other. And just taking a snapshot of this screen of the, I think it's 17 or 18 participants. And if we were to include the other colleagues of ours who weren't able to make it, but amongst the 30 of us, I'm sure we can create a fantastic operation because we all rely upon one another. Um, I I don't think there's more uh, appropriate name for our industry other than hospitality, because it is the true study in systems. um, And maybe Emily, you can chime in on this, but it is, a human connection, how do we rely on one another with our product, uh, with our craft, is it um, a particular service, is it a particular hospitality, is it a dish that we've created, Um, is it a gesture, it is a word, Um, and it is much more than just a transaction, Um, and I think because it's such a simple basic need that we all crave, especially during this pandemic, that wide, vast kind of industry becomes smaller and smaller. And we rely on each other much more, so it's been
2: eye-opening. Yeah, well, well said. And I think Roseanne had stated just the the someone had mentioned community, and and it really is at times like this when when it really it's evident that we're all connected, as you say. Duncan, uh, what what has surprised you most? I think on your introduction, you had mentioned you weren't sure if this was the industry you were going to go into. So, what's been surprising to you?
7: That's right. I mean, I think a lot has been surprising. I I agree with uh, a lot of the points Jane kind of mentioned. You know, the the passion piece, you know, we've we've all kind of talked about. Um, I'll talk a bit about maybe the resiliency of the the industry. You know, we've gone through many economic downturns. Uh, You know, my career, it's really been the oil crisis and now COVID, which is unprecedented. Um, But there's been socio political events that have been detrimental to the industry for. For years and decades, um, but we always bounce back and, and COVID's going to be no different. I think the unique thing about hospitality, hotels, restaurants, travel, um, is that people are always going to crave it and need it to a certain extent. It's human nature. It's about human connection. So in a sense, it's a quite sustainable industry, which is very interesting. Um, so I guess, I mean, it's, it's surprising in one way, but also not um, on the other
2: hand. And it's going to be interesting to see as we come out of this COVID uh Duncan how how that all picks up that the I think there's a lot of pent up uh demand for uh eating at restaurants and staying at hotels and traveling. Um Emily, uh what about you? What's been most surprising? Or Yeah, something just surprising?
16: yeah I thank you. I completely agree um, you know, what the other two have said, um, passion and resiliency, they're really big parts of the industry. Um I think from my experience, one thing that I've noticed and that we can probably all agree with is that hospitality is really, really built on systems and processes and efficiency and doing things in specific ways. Um, And one thing that I that I've noticed in different positions that I've had is a lot of the time we don't take that opportunity to kind of step back and actually look at these processes and systems and where we can really improve and um, and just question things really, I think is really important to do and look at things more objectively. Um, So I and I, I completely understand, you know, in our industry, we're all so pressed for time and it's so stressful day in and day out just trying to keep up with daily operations that we don't always get those moments to kind of really look at the big picture and take a step back. Um, So it's surprising and and again, understandable at the same time um, that we don't always take that time to really, you know, improve on those little things and and try to look at things as a whole. So one of the things about, um, you know, the pandemic, you know, of course, we've been resilient and we've had to adapt and and try to come up with new systems. And it's been amazing to see what we can do when we're really forced to and, and pressured to make those changes in what we do every day. Um, and I think it'll, it'll be an interesting kind of reboot for our industry when we do get back to normal to see if we've been able to take this opportunity to really, um, you know, stop and reflect on, on what we do every day.
2: I think that's a wonderful comment. I'm sure that sort of uh, questioning and looking at systems is part of your graduate work as well. I have it is have a sense <laughs> that that's maybe part of it. Um, thank you. Thank you, all three of you. Uh, Rosanna, do you want to go yes. on? Yes.
1: Yep. Thanks, Bruce. Um, so I wanted to ask, what are some of the biggest challenges for you in your current role? And I thought maybe we could start with Erin um, on that.
14: Awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, my job specifically is extremely labor intensive, uh, given the long hours and harvests and everything. But It's quite different, I think, from maybe more so the restaurant side than where I'm at. But Mother Nature (laughs) is hands down my biggest challenge. Um, No matter how hard you work throughout the season to ensure that your crop is maintained and healthy, uh, she could at any time be like hail, rain, uh, cold frost. So I think for me, just dealing with Mother Nature has definitely been the biggest struggle in my role. Um, And other than that, it's just trying to stay positive throughout everything else, given the year we've had. Uh, One thing I will say, Mother Nature was very nice to us in 2020. Uh, We had an excellent harvest, the biggest one we've done yet, uh, with a really great crop. So that is one positive I can pull out from 2020.
1: Wonderful. Nice to hear some positives. Jessica, how about from your perspective? What's been your biggest challenge? Uh,
18: Yeah, so I actually recently took on the role with uh, the Chamber as a business development manager. So I'm still learning. I've only been here for about a month now. Oh wow. Um, Yeah, so uh, we actually represent 650 uh, small businesses and about 18,000 employees here in Kingston. Uh, And many of them have been unable to open their doors or are operating at a reduced capacity for the better part of the last year. Uh, So my biggest challenge is, uh, you know, how do we help them grow their business under these kinds of circumstances? Um, Obviously I don't have the perfect answer, but uh, we're doing all that we can to increase their exposure, create opportunities for them to safely network and stay connected. And of course, uh, finding ways to encourage local commerce
1: excellent how about um nick how about your, from your uh, perspective what's been your biggest challenge
9: well i mean for me the most biggest challenge in currently apparently it's you know pandemic happened and you know restaurant shut down and all those like you know it's been it's been almost a year uh my current rule that it's a little bit like different than before i like you know not only that we have to keep the business running, but also just like the company couldn't, uh, unable to afford some of the staff, like there's some of the job that like, I have to keep doing it as well. And, you know, sometimes you will be like a multiple rule, like you'll be a chef, a cook, you know, like doing some office job in in the same time. You also want to really support the local, uh, you know, the local business. Like we, in our restaurant, we like intensely uh, get, like try to get all the ingredients from local Ontario, um, you know, like there's, it's, it's something that really, 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 um, it's hard to connect it because it just, it's just not easy. Right. Like you, you, at one point, like you really want, uh, you know, keep the price a little bit like controllable. And then on the other hand, you really want to like support the local, you want to support, uh, you know, the people in the industry. So yeah, it's definitely not an easy year, but like, I'm actually looking forward to it in the coming 2021 because you know apparently life things getting a little bit better right now and you know hopefully you know bring this and you know we get back to a
0: bit normal we we'll say
1: and and lastly siraj uh, what's been your biggest challenge
0: thank you you know i think i mean this might go without saying but i think right now one of our biggest challenges has been has been the pandemic and i think for us uh, one thing that we really shifted focus onto, which I think I never would have assumed in several years, uh, was a lot of speaking with the governments, and I think we we really saw that the federal government really had a willingness to help the industry and figure out how they could assist. Um, but they, you know, they wanted to know from us what would be most helpful, and so I think we had quite a lot of conversations with them where we said, listen, you know. We, during in the heart of COVID last year, from you know in March to June, we would have saved more money by keeping our hotels closed. But we said we would rather have them open and have people on payroll uh, because it's obviously better off for society. But you guys gotta help us out in some way, shape, or form. So I think that was definitely one of our our biggest challenges was just trying to figure out that fine line between how much assistance should we be asking for from the government, how do we treat our people the best way possible, and how do we keep as many people employed as we can through you know a once in a lifetime crisis. Um, and thankfully, it looks like there's there's finally some light at the end of the tunnel. It looks like we're we're ramping up, and hopefully by the end of this year, we'll, the world will look uh, very different than it did last year.
1: Hopefully, keep our fingers crossed. Bruce, back to you for your
2: next question. Yeah, I'd like to. I I think uh, we just sort of brought up the idea of of the future, and I'd like to ask you um, what you think some of the opportunities that you're excited about as we um, come out of um covid and just in the future for yourselves just some of what the um the opportunities that that uh, excite you most and maybe I'll ask um Madison on this and palavi as well so Madison can you start
19: yeah um i, I- to Be honest, I haven't thought too much about it from a personal side of things because I feel like I'm just trying to get, get by right now. Um, but in terms of my current work, what I'm most excited about is really we've finally got on board with uh virtual events, and uh, our, so our wineries are starting to offer virtual tastings, virtual cocktail experiences, uh, and uh. W- Cooking demos, so like it, the list is endless because I'm fortunate in that we we have our restaurants, we have our retail spaces, we have wine, whiskey, and beer at all of our properties. So there's a lot to do, but in the past year, we really haven't adopted that virtual side of things. Um, and I think what's exciting to me about it is that it is something that I think could last past this pandemic, like especially in uh, the alcoholic beverage industry where you can stay home and you don't have to worry about finding a a way to get home, or uh, limiting yourself while you're you're out and enjoying these experiences, and hopefully you can invite your friends over and you can all make a cocktail together uh, and <laughs> enjoy from the comfort of your own home. In addition to being able to uh, to visit the wineries uh, at that point, especially with knowing that we'll likely still end up in a place where we're limited in our capacities, um, so I'm really excited about that. And then our restaurants have actually recently started off. <laughs> Uh, at-home meal kits and, uh, or take-home meal kits and takeout in general, which is completely new for us. So I'm looking forward to kind of growing that program. Um, our, the take-home meal kits have been a huge success so far. We launched them uh, just at the beginning of January and, uh, people are, are really excited for us to continue to, to host that. So, uh, I'm excited about the, the kind of unique opportunities that we've been, uh, almost forced into through the pandemic. Um, and yeah, excited to get over the pandemic.
2: I think uh, uh, I think there'll be a lot of reflection uh, afterwards in looking what we've had to uh, do and where we've had to pivot. I hate that term, but I think um, it's going to create lots of opportunities. I think you're absolutely right. And Palavi, uh, what about you as far as um, opportunities that you're excited about?
6: Uh, thank you, Bruce. Um, In terms of our industry like i'm really excited to see how quickly and um our industry would bounce back uh like um she mentioned that our we have already innovated all these ways like even the company that i work for imago restaurants has uh these heat and eat uh, eat, uh, meals that you can take home and reheat and eat and uh, how much our online sales has gone up. So it it will be very interesting to see what happens next to our industry. And from a personal uh, point of view, I do want to complete my uh, wine certifications. I do intend to do my WSAT. So I'm excited about that. Like that is something that I want to achieve. (laughs) Thank you.
2: It's it's funny, I think lot of us have have gone and, and speaking as an educator, I'm happy. A lot of us have gone and tried to take opportunities with um, increasing our education during this time. Um, Rosanna, I'll turn it over to you if that's okay for the next one. Sure.
1: So we've talked a little bit about COVID and it's hard to ignore it because we're living through such an incredible, uh, crazy time. Um, What I guess over the last year, COVID has really decimated the industry in so many ways, but what do you believe needs to be done Um, In order to build the industry back stronger once the pandemic is over and i'd like to direct this question to uh, Peter Marvin and Raphael so Peter, maybe we can start with you.
17: Sure yeah I love this question because I talk about it all the time with people in my circle. Uh, Obviously COVID has decimated our industry, but I feel, and I think uh, there's a consensus around North America that there were some pretty serious structural issues especially with restaurants before we got here and i'm hoping this can be a reset button you know i saw a quote on social media a couple of years ago that has really resonated and it said something like if you are getting food for cheap someone down the line has been exploited and i think that's really critical to think about in our society as we're rebuilding our industry and i think it probably applies to you know, the cost of a hotel stay and the cost of a good bottle of wine as well. If the chef is getting really cheap ingredients, then the farmer is probably not thriving. And if the customer is getting a really cheap um, meal at the restaurant, then perhaps the dishwasher or the cook or someone else is being exploited. So I hope that our industry can lead a conversation about that in our society and really change people's perception of the value of food and the role it plays and maybe rethinking, rather than local healthy food being expensive, that it's valuable, and we need to find ways to improve access for people.
1: You've made some very uh, excellent points, and, and hopefully, some of those uh, some of those items will be changed in the future. Um, Marvin, from your perspective, do you what would you add to that? I think you need to unmute.
11: Hi, sorry about that. (laughs) Um, COVID has definitely been uh, something that's highlighted uh, our issues as an industry as a whole. I think for me, uh, what I sort of noticed was sort of, uh, uh, well in the restaurant industry is sort of the lack of uh, pay, the lack of uh, sort of appreciation for sort of the, uh, just the service workers, I think. I think after all this, this the whole system sort of needs to change in terms of restaurants because you can sort of see all the restaurants that are sort of uh plummeting and sort of the tight um margins that sort of restaurants need to sort of uh run in so i think uh the whole system sort of needs to change in general
1: I think. so the stru- there's some structural issues is basically yeah definitely
11: definitely saying. for sure
1: raphael how about uh, from your point of view
20: yeah, I think as uh, Marvin said, it I feel like this industry has to start being treated not just like a restaurant industry, but just like, or a, a hospitality industry, but something more like in form or in shape, where, uh, yeah, there's like regulations where like what should be like wages for people and it's not just like to leave like check to check every time. So it's like an industry that can be known for uh, something that wells, uh, pays well to people, because at the end of the day, like people come here to spend money, and it doesn't necessarily have to always go to like the top tier of the of the industry. But the people that actually work it and put the passion in it, as well. And I also think like something that would help is um, to not forget how innovative the industry was at this like <clears throat> uh, tough times. You know, like like. All chefs did, or all restaurants did during this period of time, whether it was pop-ups or like come up with like products or like frozen uh, meals that people started uh, making to make at home and stuff. I feel like those are uh, those are items that we will be able to like keep as restaurants, so we have a better base. And it's not just like whenever we got hit back in March last year, of well, restaurants didn't know what what to do, right? Like and most restaurants, or some restaurants, including like ourselves, weren't so uh, compatible with uh, takeout. So we had to like change concepts and whatnot. So it's just like remember all we did this past year. So if ever happens again, we know how how to react to it, and we're more like well educated about it, and 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 we don't lose people, right? Because the biggest thing for us was. Uh, we were trying to be innovative and we were trying to come up with different things in order to not lose our staff because that's the most important thing
1: well said thank you so much um bruce i'm gonna direct that back to you now
2: yeah maybe i could ask uh uh, what's been the biggest lesson personally for you through this pandemic and and tina maybe we'll start with you
13: uh, during this pandemic, I actually changed jobs. Um, it was a really crazy time to do so, um, but I'm very lucky to be where I am now. Um, and taking this chance, I, I learned one of the biggest lessons, probably one of the biggest lessons in my lifetime, is that change is okay. Um, and that change doesn't necessarily slow down your career or or there are always bad outcomes, uh, but that the state of your mental health um, is more important than any line on your resume or your LinkedIn profile. Um, uh, It's just, I think it can re-spark passion and your love for your trade. I know it did for me, for sure. Um, And that I think that um, sometimes if if you think about the bad outcomes, of changes, it can really hold you back. And I think whether change can be bad or good, that it will be part of the person you are
2: um, in the future. It's, it's interesting, it sounds like you had, uh, the pandemic almost gave you time for reflection and looking at, at things uh, really deeply. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, maybe I'll ask Peter, um, something that uh, uh, big lesson you've learned personally through the pandemic. For me, I think
17: it's all about balance. You know, I think that's something that our industry has historically struggled with. I think we're, probably everyone here feels we've been guilty about that at, at some point about ensuring we have a healthy balance in our life. So I think the pandemic forced me to uh, respect those boundaries a little bit more. You know, we didn't have staff to be open as many days as we would. So we shrunk our hours down and I was actually taking a true weekend and it really made a difference in not just my personal life, but in my work performance. So. So I'm really trying to remember that, hold on to that, and model that behavior for people on our team, that they should feel good about taking time off, about taking a vacation,
2: taking care of themselves. I I had some friends who'd been in the industry 20, 30 years that told me it was the first time, you know, because of the pandemic, they'd had two weeks off in a row, (laughs) which is is pretty crazy and not very healthy. Um, What about uh, you, Megan? Can you share something with us?
3: There really has just been so, so much that I've learned in the past year. Like everything put aside of how difficult it was, this year was huge growth for me. Um, And I'm really proud of where Fairmont Royal York has taken 2020 and into 2021. So the number one quality is definitely flexibility uh, with things opening and closing and just all over the place. We never know what's gonna happen next year, let alone next week. So just that ability to not let it keep you down. Um, A good example that I would love to give is we had a very popular Christmas outdoor bar, The Thirsty Elf, and the team worked so hard to pull together in less than a week. Um, So much media coverage, the most I've gotten in my career so far. We sold out of reservations within four hours from November 24th to December 25th, which was actually a record for Fairmont Royal York. Uh, But then just 20 minutes before we were opening the outdoor patio, we got the news that it would have to close on the Sunday. So even Rosanna, you know, my general manager, Mr. Edwin Frizzell, who is the most positive and inspiring person that I've had the privilege to work with. But there were a few tears shed in the Thirsty Elf with him and I. you know, you'd be sad for a little bit, but you just pick yourself right back up. And you know, within the hour, the team is back on the phone, like, okay, how can we make this into cocktail kits, and we're flipping all the media segments to you know, this to go format and just pushing those out. So never give up. Um, Of course, you can be sad and give yourself that time to reflect, but keep that positive state of mind always.
2: Yeah, I don't don't think any of us had a chance uh, to avoid becoming more flexible during these, absolutely. Rosanna, I'll turn it over to you for the next question.
1: Sure, thank you, Bruce. Having been part of the judging committee on this top 30 for many years, um, it was always mind boggling, excuse me, to look at the entries and see the kind of wealth of industry uh, knowledge that existed and and the great attributes and traits that all the top 30 uh, shared. Uh, it was always very, very inspiring. When you look at yourself um, and try to be, I guess, objective, what is it that you think has made you successful? Um, and I know it's, it's, it's still a, a short journey, you're still very young, but what has been the, what do you think has made you successful in the short time that you've been working? Um, and I thought maybe we could start that with Adam.
5: Sure. Thanks, Rosanna. So quite simply, it's, the right people guiding me at the right time and my willingness to listen, learn and act. That's that's about it. And more, more so than that, it's also being nimble and agile at the right time. So you can't be stuck in your ways, especially in this industry and COVID really taught us. You need to change when external factors are changing. So definitely it would be the right people guiding me at the right time, and my willingness, willingness to listen, learn and act.
1: Excellent, thank you so much. Isabel, how about from your perspective?
15: I do definitely have to agree with Adam on uh, right timing. I think that there's only so much that is in our control, um, and and so especially to to get to I think the level that we're all at, there there is a, an aspect of luck. But beyond that, I think being curious reading up, sharing ideas, and um and working really hard, of course, making sure that you know we're given certain opportunities and making sure that we can pay those back to the future uh, and making sure that we're really, uh, really sharing ideas, making sure that we maximize every, uh, every minute that we have with, with the leaders in our industry.
1: Wonderful. And how about from your perspective, Ryan?
8: Yeah, thanks. Yeah. It's just, you know, for, for me, it's, you know, being grateful, showing gratitude, you know, love and compassion within the industry. Um, you know, all of that is very important, but for me, it's, you know, coming down to the hard work, you know, all, all 30 of us are very, very hard workers, um, day in, day out, um, sometimes six, seven days a week. Um, so, you know, doing that, being, you know, being healthy, showing, um, gratitude towards your employee or employees, um, and just being the positive face of the industry. Um, that's, uh, that's really kind of pushed me along uh, in my career. Throughout my uh, my uh, whole stint so far.
16: Excellent. And and Emily, would you like to add to that? Yeah, thank you. I think those are some really great points. Um, I think if I were to add to that, um, I've kind of alluded to this already, but I I do think it's really important to question things. Um, And I do think that that has helped um, in kind of being successful in the industry in the sense that um, when I've approached, you know, a new job or or a course that I'm taking, um, I think it's important not to just um, kind of accept things for the way they are, but to put yourself out there and ask, you know, your manager or the owner and and just say, you know, how can we do this better? And how can we um, do this in a way that um, is going to be better for the future of the business and and the future of the industry in general and i think just um you know like there there's a lot of things that i really love about the industry that we're in and that we all love um but i think there's also a lot of things that we'd all like to change um and i think in order to um kind of continue to have that success and for our industry as a whole to continue to be successful um we need to keep um, improving and keep changing things and so um yeah, so I, I think it's important to just kind of keep that that wider lens on things and and try to keep moving forward collectively too.
1: Wonderful.
2: Back to you, Bruce. Sure. Um, let's talk about the future a bit. What are what are your goals? What's something that uh, is exciting possibility for you in the future? And Tom, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, ask you first.
10: Got it. I mean, like everyone, I'm excited to be on the other side of this pandemic and. <laughs> you know, try the 2020 vintage from Niagara, I guess, and <laughs> get on a plane and go to Peter's restaurant in Edmonton, uh, you know, check it, check out all the great stuff our industry has to offer and, and pay the right price for it, which uh, means paying that premium so we can all uh, all get paid well. Um, you know, I'm excited to reschedule my wedding for...
1: You had to postpone that well.
10: <laughs> exactly. I was one of the many casualties uh, when the pandemic hit, but... Um, you know i i think uh, there's more green shoots ahead than behind so uh, looking forward to, to what's to come
2: so just a little bit of normal is something to uh, almost <laughs> getting back to what about you jane uh
4: i think uh giving someone a hug i think that's oh. great <laughs> yeah um but uh i mean aside from like the family members that you would like to give hugs to but there are guests that you see probably three, four times a week, um, regularly at your hotels or your restaurants or even your wineries. Um, and, you know, sometimes you see their name pop up on a uh, takeout order and you get all the warm and fuzzies. Um, and normally when you see them for the first time in a couple of weeks or a month, he's like, Oh, Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so, it's so terrific to have you back a handshake or even a hug. Um, and, because we're so virtual, because we're so uh, takeout and delivery oriented, I find that immediate feedback is lost for many of us, right? We just get the takeout order, we get the, uh, um, you, know, you know, the wine order or anything like that. And we, we send the product and fingers crossed and nine times out of the 10, the only time you get a response is if it's a catastrophic failure, Um, you never get the immediate response of, Oh, that was a lovely evening or, you know, handshake. That was terrific. Thank you so much. We don't do it for that, but it's such an important part of our day to day. Um, I can't wait for it just to smile back and a little bit of reciprocation um, because it is that collaborative um, interaction that we have with our guests. So, you know, a hug is a personal thing, but uh, yeah,
2: that, that, that that interaction is the fuel that kept me going for, you know, 20 odd years in the, in the business. What about you, Duncan?
7: Yeah, I just quickly agree with Tom and and Jane. Um, You know, I think one thing for sure is the, the industry presents, you know, endless opportunities and and possibilities, obviously, you know, for the time being, I'm focused on the present, managing, you know, our way out of COVID uh, learning as much as possible, but, you know, look I think goals change as life changes um you know I look back where my goals were seven years ago they probably change a bit based on you know the way you navigate life uh, but I'm focused on the present I think and and I think if you just do that work hard the the opportunities will come
2: yeah I think I think uh, I couldn't agree with you more on that Aaron I'm gonna put put you on the spot and ask you
14: yeah um if i'm being honest like where i'm at right now the pandemic of course has has affected us as a whole but in regards to production um i haven't been busier like i'm it's insane. Every feel like everyone needs wine during a pandemic. So for me, I'm quite excited, uh, hopefully, when some normalcy comes back together to do collabs. I, I really know how detrimental this COVID has affected all of these businesses. So to be able to have brewers and distillers and local restaurants and to bring the community back together when... It's safe uh, is very exciting for me I do I do miss supporting as much as I can do myself supporting local I miss it as an industry coming together so for me that is something I am looking forward to just continuing to push boundaries and experiment where I can
2: Yeah, absolutely I think we all miss that that's been mentioned a few times uh, Amanda last last to you I'm gonna ask that uh, you wrap it up for me here.
12: Yeah, I'm really excited for the changes that are going to come to my specific hotel, and I'm really excited to be part of that change. We are a 48-year-old property with 800 associates, and sometimes change is slower when it has to go through 800 associates. So never in 48 years have we had the opportunity to do a reset. In 2019, our brand changed completely um, after the Marriott acquisition there's just been a lot of change so finally everyone gets to start and start with this new Sheraton brand which ironically is is um, the world's gathering place in a year where gathering was not allowed um, but it's really time for our brand to come to life once everything um, gets back to more sense of normality but also I think COVID and the precautions that we're taking now aren't going to go away that soon. And I think adapting to that change is going to be exciting, Um, going potentially more digital in certain ways so that we can continue to operate, um, which has been sometimes challenging um, in a hotel of our size. But I think this has given us an opportunity to really reinvent um, ourselves and also um, match where the trends are going outside um, a big a mammoth of a hotel like ours. So I'm really excited to be part of the change. I'm really excited for all the trainings that we are going to develop, the changes to the physical appearance of what our hotel is going to look like, um, hopefully in a couple months. Um, And also the the guests that that, that are going to come in who are going to expect more because they have been at home (laughs) for more than a year um, and they're going to want to hopefully spend that money and um, really enjoy the experiences of gathering and being around um, other people in a setting like a hotel or restaurant.
1: Yeah,
12: so I'm really excited to help pave the way and really have a new start to what our industry will look like.
2: I think we're all going to be busy when it happens, that's for yeah. sure. Uh, Rosanna?
12: Well,
1: um, as a way to wrap up, because uh, our time is almost up, I do have a few questions from our audience. So I'm just going to ask a couple of these and then we'll wrap up. So um, one of the questions comes from someone who's been in the industry for 35 years and they wanna know how confidence has played a role in your success to date. So um, is there a volunteer who wants to answer that or should I pick somebody? Any volunteers first? And then I'll do what Bruce does in his classrooms. Volunteers? Okay,
12: Amanda? Um, I think confidence is huge and I think when you have a leader that has confidence in you, that's huge. Um, I'm not someone that was overly extroverted. Um, being in HR really pushes you to have to want to talk to everyone and be that person um, for everyone. But I think I think we generally underestimate what we can do, um, and and we wait for opportunities to be given to us because we're not confident that we can actually take them on. Of course, there's people that are very confident. I admire you so much because you are really um, getting yourself where you wanna be and you know what you want. But I think confidence is crucial. Um, and I, I mentioned faking it till you make it. And I think that's part of it. Like even if you don't have the confidence, like make people believe that you have the confidence cause it will get you quite far in your career. And I think people will, will trust you and or trust your expertise when you have that confidence so have confidence in yourself or and that's something that i'm still constantly learning um and i think it's really helped and i think I, there was some point in my career where i just said well let's just do this and that's really kind of allowed me to get to where i am now wonderful thank you for that
1: So the next question um, is from someone who would like to know more about future aspirations in terms of where do you see yourself in 10 years. So, um, Saraj, did you want to answer that?
0: Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, I believe this question may have been from my my sister, Ritu, so (laughs) I'm even more happy to answer this one. You
1: know her very well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not surprised. You know, I think for me, as I mentioned earlier, uh, for me specifically, my goal is always to be adding as much value to the world as possible and helping as many people as possible. And I think I've always tried to Make sure whatever I'm deciding and whatever I'm working on is doing one of those two things. So, with our, we launched Rogue Rogue Insight Capital as our investment arm, and our, our goal is to further the cause of investing in diversity, investing in social impact. Uh, My sister and I are also now managing our family foundation and we want to use our platform to help more people, spread equality, spread education. So I think for me, 10 years from now, it's hard to say a specific job or something I might be interested in, but I just know I want to be working on those two things, whether it's on the entrepreneurial side of things and the political world, anything where I'll be able to kind of add value.
1: Wonderful. I have another great question from our audience and that's how can those who have been in the industry who were not brought up with technology and work differently Work best with your generation because dot, 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 you are wired differently. So any takers? Jessica, your hand went up really quickly, so go for it.
18: Yeah, I think that one kind of applies to, even outside of hospitality, almost every industry. Uh, But I think so long as that there's a willingness to learn and a willingness to work together on both ends, uh, that it can always work. And I think there are things that we can learn from older generations and vice versa. Uh, So so long as we're willing to work together and
1: do that, I think we're in a good place. Excellent, it's all about that community word again. And one last question, then we'll have to wrap up. the landscape is very different today than when it was when you entered, uh, because primarily of a COVID and a whole bunch of other items. But have the skill sets needed to succeed in the industry changed in the current environment? Uh, Megan, your hand went up very quickly on that, so you want to jump in?
3: Yeah, I think you know, the obvious COVID has drastically changed our business, but just speaking. From the marketing and PR side of things, I think we have to be willing to adapt with every social media platform that's out there over this past year, I really feel like I've had such a strong pulse on what is happening what our community is saying what our guests are saying, you know, continuing to have this community engaged with us so again. We don't know when we will be able to have a thousand person events again at Fairmont rail York. So how are we keeping those conferences that come every year with thousands of people engaged with us and, you know, continue to be top of mind. And that's really, we have to embrace the current world circumstances, but also the technology that we've been given even 10 years ago, we probably haven't, wouldn't have been able to do a panel like this. So we need to use it really to our advantage.
1: Wonderful, great answer. Well, as I said, our time unfortunately has run out. Um, We could keep this conversation going for a lot longer, but I did want to say a big thank you to all of the winners for being here today. I know this was a little different than meeting in person and getting your awards and recognition and not being able to celebrate with friends and family, but I hope it was the next best thing. And I did want to say that, all of the winners are, are just amazing and phenomenal. And you know, as someone who's been on the jury for a long time, and Bruce, even more from your end, I know every year when we sit down to judge this competition, it takes an entire day because there are so many great entries and it's always, always so challenging to come up with only 30. So it makes me feel really great about the industry. Um, the industry is in great hands and we're really gonna look forward to seeing how the industry can change and grow and evolve in better ways through all of your participation. And I'm sure Bruce, uh, you'll echo that if you want to jump in.
2: Yeah, thanks, Rosanna, you know, talking about change, I think Emily mentioned it earlier about questioning uh, things and and really I'd like all of you to understand that this program, uh, its genesis was really based on questioning the status quo. And asking and and saying, if, is there not a better way that we can be doing this? And Mr. Greco showing the leadership, and Rosanna continuing that, moving forward to uh, to create change. So, really important, I think, being an honoree now of of the top 30, that you understand that. And and the second thing is is a little bit of pay it forward. Um, you spoke about people that influenced you and mentored you. You all had someone nominate you. Um, so please take the time and make sure you nominate someone and spread the word about the program um, you've I think you're coming to understand what a great group it is to be part of and we'd really appreciate your your support in that aspect and and again to Rosanna I'm so grateful and glad that uh, the program has found a home with you and your company it's in great hands better than ever and um, thank you for all your work
1: Well, thank you so much, Bruce, for being here today. It's really been an honor and a privilege to continue the work that you and Charles started many, many years ago. And I feel, as I said, very proud that we have such a great group of winners this year. And I'm sure that we're going to have, you know, just as good a group for next year. And our nominations are open, so please look out for them today when you get that electronically. Um, Bruce, a really big thank you to you. You've been so instrumental, um, not just here today, but through this whole program development and for having the insight and the foresight uh, to recognize that there was a void in the industry that needed to be filled. Um, And you've cultivated it through the years with such love and tenderness. And um, it really is a privilege for me to continue that work. So thank you so much. I also want to say a big thank you to our nominating committee and our adjudication committee they did such incredible work last year. We spent an entire day grappling with who to choose and why. And um, there's too many names to list today, but they all know who they are. And I want to say a big thank you to all of them. And we will be meeting again uh, over the next few months to judge for next year. So uh, so we'll be calling on you again. Um, uh, congratulations to all of the winners. You guys are amazing, phenomenal, and you're inspirational. So a big round of applause, even though we're not there in person to share. Um, Certainly, I think 2020 will go down as a historical and unprecedented year. But I hope when all of you look back on 2020, this will have been one of your highlights of last year that you won this award. And that, uh, as Bruce says, that you can pay it forward by nominating more people next year. So a big thank you and good luck to everybody. And um, I can't wait for the day that we'll all meet again, again, in person and hopefully it's soon. So stay safe. And Bruce, anything else to add before we we wrap up? Nope, he's muted. Okay. Nope. Nope. Well, that's it for me. So congratulations and good luck, everybody. Bye-bye.
0: We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Checking In Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, hoteliermagazine.com. Until next time.